Well, good morning again. Uh, like we said, we're so glad that you are with us. Before I dive into the message this morning, I uh, just want to highlight the next couple of weeks for you so you know what's going on next Sunday. Uh, we've got a special guest, Will Jones, who's going to be here sharing. Uh, a friend of mine who's just going to bring a powerful message, I know, for our church, a good, challenging message. But we've also, it's the first Sunday with our new worship pastor, Tyler. We'll be leading next Sunday, and so you want to be here to be able to support that. It's going to be a great weekend. And then two weeks from today, two weeks from today, I kick off a brand new teaching series uh, for the summer. We're going to be walking through First Peter. The series is called Exiles. And uh, the book of 1 Peter is written to believers living in a culture and a context where, where following Jesus is oftentimes looked down on. Can anybody know that that maybe has something to do with us, right? Uh, this is going to be a challenging, challenging series. I think there's going to be some stuff we need to hear in this series, but the very first message will be very, very important. So I challenge you to be here two weeks from today uh, as we kick off that series. I think it's going to be encouraging for every one of us, all right? If you got your Bibles... Uh, you can turn to first, Second Chronicles this morning. I get to share uh, one of my greatest passions, literally one of my greatest passions. It's an element of faith that is massively critical, and yet it is often forgotten or ignored by most believers. And by ignoring it, I think most believers are missing out on a vital weapon that God has made available to us. And so I would encourage you to open your hearts, be ready to lean in. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going to be. If you're not sure where Second Chronicles is, open your table of contents. It's there, there to help you out, okay? Turn to it there about a third of the way through your Bibles. Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text this morning? Again, nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do to say, God, we honor your word over my words. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 says this. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of, his, of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do want to speak to our hearts today. And so, God, I pray that you would help us get a hold of this very vital element of our faith. God, help it to go from something that's sitting on a shelf to something that can actually transform every day of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Now, uh, raise your hand. How many of you have ever sang in a choir at any point in your life? Raise your hand, okay? Some of you? All right, we got some of you to do that. Put your hands down. How many of you at some point in your life have ever played an instrument? You didn't have to play it well. You just played an instrument at some point in your life. Okay, that's some of you. All right, put your hands down. I want you to take the next 20 seconds. I would turn to somebody around you, okay? And I want you to tell them what was an instrument you've played or if you've never played an instrument, what was an instrument you wish you knew how to play, okay? You got 20 seconds. Turn to your neighbor. All right, all right, all right, all right. I mean, we all come from different homes, different upbringings, experiences, right? So, like, I was raised in a family that was extremely musical. Like, we played lots of instruments, all that. You know, you know I play 
played trumpet when I was growing up, played piano, guitar, drums, all this kind of stuff. And so in my home, you know, we're working with the kids. You know, my boys are playing trumpet right now. DL is doing a little bit of piano. Um, but in our home, Amber's the one. She don't play nothing, right? <laughs> nothing. She's like, I wish I played that. So like when I'll sit down and I'll play and I'll be singing, she's like, I wish I knew how to just like sit down and start playing the piano, do those kind of things. And maybe you feel that way. We all have a different upbringing. That's great. But I would say whether you played an instrument or not, none of you have played an instrument in the circumstance we're talking about in Second Chronicles here. Okay, none of you have led an army into battle with your musicianship, okay? Of all of the stories in scripture, this is one of the most preposterous stories when we dig into this. But uh, to understand this, we're gonna dive into the text a little bit. We're gonna understand some context, which gets us to this point in the story uh, so we know what's actually happening here. Because the story that we're reading about, it centers around King Jehoshaphat. It's a great name, okay? Say it with me, Jehoshaphat, okay? Some of you wanted to name your child that, but you said no. Good decision, okay? Uh, There are no Jehoshaphats. But King Jehoshaphat, he is king over Judah. He is king over God's people at this point in time. But to understand kind of what's going on in this story, we're going to go back to his father for a second. So stick with me for five, ten minutes. I'm going to tell you some stories. And then at the end of that, it's going to make some sense for you. And so Jehoshaphat's father is Asa. He's King Asa. And he becomes the king over Judah. And when he begins, he starts out really, really strong. It goes really, really well at the beginning of his time. He goes off and he destroys the Asherah poles and all the high places, which is the place where people would worship pagan gods. He's saying, we're not going to do any of that stuff anymore. No, we're going to go back. We're going to be faithful to Yahweh. Now, my guess is some of you have had an experience like that or you've seen that in someone else's life, right? Maybe you came to faith or you saw somebody come to faith and immediately it was like everything in their life changed. Like they started changing the way they talk, changing the way they look, what they did. All these things changed about their life. And that's what happened in here. He's saying, listen, we're gonna be faithful to Yahweh. We're not gonna do things like we have before. And so there's this story where this army rises up against the nation of Judah Right? This, this, this army comes up again, and what does Asa do? Because he wants to be faithful to Yahweh, what does he do? He calls out to Yahweh, he says, Yahweh, come save us, come rescue us. And that's exactly what takes place. God saves his people. And so there's further reforms. He goes about the nation. Oh, we're going to be really faithful to Yahweh. That's what we're going to do. But something happens. And what I think is funny is that it actually isn't talked about in Scripture. It says somewhere along the line, he must have fallen away. Somewhere along the line, he just drifted away from faithfulness to Yahweh. You'll see it in a moment. And I think this makes sense because in a lot of our lives, this is what happens. We don't fall away because there was this, all of a sudden you committed murder. All of a sudden you had an adultery. No, usually the way we fall away from God is one little step at a time, right? It's the slow, it's not that one thing, it's the thousands of little things that caused us, you used to be faithful to Christ, you used to be passionate about following Christ, talking about Jesus, worshiping Jesus, being at church, inviting people, you used to be passionate about that stuff, but things have just kind of drifted away a little bit, right? So that's what happens in our life sometimes. And this is what clearly has happened to Asa because there's a, a story where another nation rises up 
But rather than like the last time, last time he calls out to Yahweh, this time what does he do? It says that he goes into the treasury of the Lord. He goes and takes the gold and the silver that are designated for God, for Yahweh. Takes that, he goes to a neighboring nation and he pays them off and says, will you go fight our battles for us? It's like, that's, that's not at all what he would have done before. But for some reason, this is, his eyes aren't on the Lord. He's looking to other places, other people to be his strength. And, and so it says that this prophet comes and scolds like, what are you doing? Like, seriously, what are you doing here? And actually, it says he calls them back to faithfulness. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says this. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him he's like you're not fully committed to me you're not even looking at me anymore you're looking to other people to be your strength and so you get to the end of Asa's life and he didn't turn he's really sick it says he gets really sick but he doesn't turn to Yahweh to ask him to heal him what does he do he just goes to the physicians it says only the physician he didn't even try to go to God anymore and see this can happen in our lives where suddenly we're looking to everything else except God And so this is what Jehoshaphat saw. This was his dad. This was the story. He lived through this whole season where they kind of had got going the wrong direction. So it says King Jehoshaphat, he is now the one. And he follows the same pattern of his dad. He actually right away starts out real strong. He's like, yeah, we're going to get rid of the evil stuff. In fact, he gets a bunch of teachers of the law. He sends them out all over the nation of Judah to teach them the proper way to faithfully follow Yahweh. But just like his father, he goes sideways. And it says that he joins forces with the evil king of Israel called Ahab. He joins forces with him. He does this stupid thing. And, and the prophet, just like the prophets were sent to his dad, a prophet is sent to him saying, listen, what are you doing, Jehoshaphat? Don't do that. Why are you following evil ways? And so some time passes. And obviously that prophet got a hold of his heart because it says that these other nations, Moab and the Ammonites, rise up against the nation of Judah. But rather than trying to go to someone else, figuring it out on his own, it says that he looks to the Lord. And it says it this way in verse 12 of chapter 20, uh, where it says this. We pull that up. It says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is the prayer that he prayed. Say, listen, we're not looking everywhere else. We're, We're not hoping everyone, no, God, our eyes are on you. And my guess is you've had these moments in your life. You ever had a moment where you're a little distracted in your faith, but suddenly you came up against something really, really hard and you started praying like you've never been praying before? Like you went through one of those moments where you're like, God, I need you. God, I desperately need you. And that's what's taking place here. They hit a point where like, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Our eyes are on you. The enemy is too big for us. And what's cool is that God sends a prophet to speak to him, to give him a message and say, listen, God is going to fight this battle for you. I know that they look like they're too big for you, but he is going to fight on your behalf. And it says it this way in chapter uh, 20, verse 15, where it says this, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is the prophet speaking, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. This is the word that he's given. He's given this confidence that God is going to work on his behalf. So that's where we are in the story. We got this guy who's, who's been told, God's going to work for you. And so in, in, uh, in light of that, it's the day of the fight. 
right? The day that the, the battle is supposed to take place. It's the day of the fight. And what we just read is what makes sense. And so Jehoshaphat does what every good military strategist would do. He says, where are my, where are my musicians? Where are my singers at? I need you right now. Let's put them up at the front and see what happens. Like it's, it's ridiculous. How stupid is this? Here, is there anything less intimidating than a bunch of musicians? <laughs> and I can say that because I'm a musician. Like, look at these hands. These are not made for manual labor, guys. Strings and piano keys is what these things are good for, right? And, and what I love is that they don't even, uh, they don't even come playing scary music. Like, play the theme song from Jaws. Like, da-da, like, da-da-da-da-da. Like, let's play some intimidating music. Play some pep band music, right? Defense, choo-choo, deep. Like, he's not doing any of that stuff. What are they doing? They are declaring the praises of God. Like, how weird is that? It makes no sense. But it's only weird if you don't understand the power of praise in our lives, okay? And so when you read the rest of the story, what takes place? The rest of the story is that Judah, right, they're going up, the army's going up to fight with the musicians in the front, as ridiculous as that is, and they get to the valley where they're supposed to fight the battle. And when they get there, what do they find? Everybody's already dead. God sent a confusion to the armies, these two armies, and instead of waiting to fight Judah, they've now fought each other and killed each other off. And they walked up, the battle was already won. God gives this crazy, ridiculous victory for his people, and they didn't do anything. Absolutely nothing. And I love this story. It's kind of one of those crazy stories. It's a little unique, whatever, but I, but I think there's a general misunderstanding of the point of this story. And there's, there's a phrase, I've heard people say this, praise, see, See, praise is the pathway to victory. Praise is the pathway to victory. And like, yeah, not always. Because sometimes you praise and that garbage still happens. Sometimes you praise and you still end up getting beat up. Sometimes you praise and you still walk through a hard season. Sometimes you praise and your body still does not get healed the way you want it to be. Right? And so I, I think sometimes we can take this passage and we throw it into the world of some of the theology that gets out there and you can flip on the TV sometimes and, and find plenty of this that says, oh, just follow the Lord and everything will be great. You'll be healthy, wealthy. Everything's going to be perfect in your life. If you hear someone preaching that to you, you turn it off and you go back to listen to what Jesus has to say because you've got to walk all over Jesus' words to get that kind of a theology, all right? Like what does Jesus actually say? Is there blessing in following Christ? Absolutely. But does it mean everything's going to be perfect? No. Because tell the, the believer who's serving Jesus in a nation where their life is on the line every day, you just tell them that you just health, wealth, and no problems. No. If theology doesn't work in every corner of the world, then it is inappropriate and incorrect theology. Okay? Just understand that. So you need to protect yourself. There is a lot of garbage that you can find out there. So just make sure we are going back to what is Christ actually said. But when it comes to this whole idea of praise, some of you are like, I just praise Jesus and I'm not going to have any problems at all. No, you still might have problems. It's okay. But there is a deeper message and I think a far more robust message that God has for us in this passage. And so we're going to start with our big so what this morning. We always say so what. What's the point of this? I got a big so what and then three points for you here this morning. The big so what is this. Praise unlocks a supernatural perspective. Praise unlocks 
a supernatural perspective. Guys, this is huge. I've experienced this. I have lived this. You need to understand how this can transform your life. This is not an overstatement for you, okay? Hear this. Why did Jehoshaphat send out the singers and the musicians? Right? He's not trying to entertain God, right? Hey, look, he's not trying to woo God into winning the battle. Look, God, we're playing music. Come, fight our battle for us. No, he's not trying to impress God. Why? God had already promised that he would fight the battle for them. That was already a promise. No, Jehoshaphat sent out the musicians and the singers in front of the army declaring God's praise in order to remind everyone where their hope and their salvation was coming from, okay? It wasn't in their strength. It wasn't in their weapons. It wasn't in their wisdom. It wasn't in their tactics. Their hope, their salvation was found in God alone. And see, Jehoshaphat, it's as if he's saying, listen, the tip of our spear is not the weapons we have. The tip of our spear is praise. Why? Because praise unlocks a supernatural perspective in our lives. We get, so some of you are walking around depressed, discouraged, overwhelmed, and you don't understand that there is a weapon at your disposal to give you a new perspective. To shake you out of the place where you are. To shake you out of the chains that are holding you right now. God has given you something that is available for you. Praise unlocks a supernatural perspective. For many, uh, you know, praise is relegated to 20 minutes on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, we get together and that's the praise part of my life. That's the only thing I, I, I think about. I get it. Like, we start. We call it praise and worship. Of course, that is praise. But... But that is such a limited view of what praise is because when you think about that, you're just like, well, I'm not really, I'm like, I'm not into this. It's like not my thing really. I'm gonna just let, I'm gonna let the people who are really good at this kind of stuff do this. Like I'm not a musician, so praise is not for me. Praise is for these people up here and I'll just listen to them. I'll let them, okay, good job. Good job, keep praising up there. Like that's, that's what my understanding of praise is. For some of you, you're like, you know what, praise is not... <laughs> It's for people who are more emotional. Like it's for those kind of people, more exuberant type people. That's what praise is for. Like that's just not how I'm wired. That's not who I am. You know, or maybe some of you men out there, you men out there, you're like praise is for the women. The women do the praising. That's just not something that I want to do. It's not who I am. I will let the women take care of that. Okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> like, and so, so what is the result of that? I would just say this, sometimes we just disengage on a Sunday. We show up. There's some of you that just don't even show up till praise is over with. She's like, that's just not my thing. I'll just show up when the singing's done with because I don't like singing. There's others of you that you come, but you just say, you know what? I'm not going to engage. I'm just going to sit here. This is, it's great. You love Jesus, all those kind of things. What you don't understand is you're missing something. <laughs> you're not missing something. It's not like, oh, poor you. You're just not. No, you're missing out. You are missing out on something God has made available to you because praise is not just a thing that can happen on Sunday morning. It is something that can happen all week long. And it's a command. God commands us over and over and over to praise the Lord. And I said this a few weeks ago, that God doesn't command us to do anything that isn't inherently good for us. And so what we have to recognize is that if he's commanding us to praise him, it's not just simply that he's worthy, although he is, but there is something good in our hearts that happens when we take the step to praise the Lord. And that's what we're going to dig into this morning. So I've got three things for you if you want to take notes. These are things I think important for you to understand. How does praise impact us? What can it do and produce in our life? Number one is this. Praise inspires gratitude. Praise inspires 
gratitude. Have you ever met someone who was spoiled rotten? Don't look at your neighbor, okay? Have you, have you ever met somebody like that? Right? Where they're just obnoxious and they're ungrateful for what they have. They're always like expecting more. Even, even like the people that have a lot. You ever met somebody, they, just, they got everything and they still act spoiled and ungrateful for everything that they do have? Like it drives us nuts. Why? Ungratefulness sours us. Like ungratefulness, it's actually toxic to our own soul when we are ungrateful. It kills us. It annoys everyone else, but it actually sours and destroys us. We might not call ourselves, and I would guess you probably don't call yourself spoiled rotten. That's fine. We don't call ourselves spoiled rotten, but how many know we can all be guilty of ungratefulness at times? Extremely guilty of that. We can take for granted the blessings that we have in our lives. You know, in the, the lack of, of gratefulness results in a lack of joy and contentment. It actually depresses us. It discourages us. It makes us feel negative when we're constantly thinking about what we don't have rather than what God has already given to us. Always thinking about what we don't rather than what we do. Always thinking about what God hasn't done yet versus what he already has done. But hear this. Praise inspires gratitude in our heart. It changes our perspective. It brings transformation to what we look at. When we praise God, there's two ways I love praising God. Praising God for who he is and for what he's done. When we stop for a moment and you begin to praise God for who he is, think about it. Because you're in a season where you're just like struggling, you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to look, and you begin to praise God. God, I thank you that you are a rock and a foundation in my life. God, I thank you. That, that everything else can shift, like it's all like sand, but you aren't like that. You are the same. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I praise you for that. I praise you that you're holy. Like I, I'm all over the place, but God, you are holy. You are set apart. You are pure. You are righteous in everything that you do. God, you're that refuge that I get to run to when everything else is chaos. I know that I can trust in you. When you begin to praise God like that, it produces thankfulness and gratitude in your heart for who he is. It changes the attitude, the perspective that you live with. Because suddenly you're not thinking about you anymore. But it doesn't just change uh, that when we're, when we're talking about who God is. We also take time to praise God for what he has done in our lives. Obviously, we all have experienced the broad goodness and the grace of, of God and, and Christ, what he has done for us. But specifically in your story, I guarantee you, if you've served Jesus for any time at all, there are moments in your story where you can look back and say, God, you were with me in that thing. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't even understand it, but God, I watched you work back then. God, you've taken me through this hard thing. God, you were, you were protecting me, and I didn't even know you were protecting me. Like, like, I wanted that thing, and you kept me from going that way, and now, God, thank you for that. We can all look back and see those moments. And when we take a moment, because we're like spoiled kids, we can be like those spoiled kids. We're like, God does amazing things, then we never thank him. Remember, there's this story in the New Testament where Jesus heals 10 lepers. It says they all leave and they get healed, and only one of them comes back to thank him. And he's like, didn't everybody get healed? Yeah, but none of them else came back. Nobody else came back to say thank you. We can be the same way. God, would you work? Would you work? He works, and then we just walk on. But when we stop, we've got thank you. I'm going to remind myself of what you have done, and I'm going to praise you for that. Guess what? It produces thankfulness in our heart. It builds this intimacy. Say we want to have a relationship with Jesus. We want to have a deepening relationship with God. Thanksgiving does that. Same thing is true in your relationships on earth. When you actually operate in gratitude toward the relationships in your life, it actually builds a greater intimacy there, right? The same thing is true in our relationship 
with God. Ingratitude is suffocating. And I'll just say, some of you live there. There's a lack of gratitude. Like, you're not grateful for anything. You hate everything that's going on in your life, and everybody knows it. <laughs> and you know what that's, that's producing in your life? Death. Yep. It's putting you in chains. It's wrapping you up. It's discouraging you. But see, gratitude is freeing. Gratitude actually produces joy in your heart. And when we take the step to say, God, I'm going to begin to praise you, it inspires gratitude in our heart. It gets our eyes off the things that are discouraging and puts our eyes into a place that brings life, all right? So one, praise inspires gratitude. Number two, praise leads to humility and submission. Uh, We can think highly of ourselves. Maybe you don't, but I can. I can think real highly of my way and my opinion and my wisdom and my perspective. And all of that leads to what? Arrogance. How many of you like arrogant people? (laughs) Nobody does. Nobody likes arrogant people. They can drive us crazy. Like, we're just, get away from me. I don't even want to be around you. See, this is what it is. This, this. Praise, it actually leads and produces humility in our heart. It combats the thing that actually erodes at our very core and and prevents us from being able to live out the calling Jesus had. Jesus called us to live self-sacrificing, lay down our rights kind of lives. Produce, uh, praise is one of those things that helps lead to that humility that God God desires to shape inside of us. Uh, Have you ever studied space? You're... uh, you ever look at, I don't know if any of you like that kind of stuff. Like, I love space. It's just so huge and all that. Uh, there was a video that came out in the 70s. Super old, okay? When I watched it, it was old <laughs> in, like, school. It's called the Power of 10 video. Has anybody ever seen the Power of 10 video? A couple of you? Okay. It was this old video. It starts, it starts like, on a, a person sitting, like, on a, a blanket, Okay. And then it goes out by a power, it keeps increasing, zooming out by a power of 10. So then it's like the whole park, and then it's like the whole city, then it's like the whole country, and then the whole world, and then it's out into the universe, and here's the solar system, and it just keeps going out. And by the end of that thing, you're like, holy cow. There was another one that came out uh, back in the 90s. I remember seeing it in a museum one time. It's called Cosmic Voyage, and it's narrated by none other than Morgan Freeman, the voice of God himself, right? <laughs> I, it's, if you've never watched those, go on, go on YouTube and watch Vo- Cosmic Voyage or The Power of Ten video. They're, they're great. But when you get to the end of those videos, you watch those things, there's just this moment where, where you realize, oh, yeah, the world doesn't revolve around me. Because we can get so fixated on just like my world and what I've got going on in my little corner of the world, you know, and you realize, man, this, this universe is so much bigger. And when you see yourself in light of the vastness of the universe... And then you recognize that our God spoke that universe into existence. How many know there's a humbling that can happen in your heart? And see, praise does the same thing. Praise allows us to to see God for who he is, to remind ourselves of who he is. And as we begin to see who he is, right, we begin to humble ourselves before him. Like it, it shapes our hearts but it makes it natural for us to do something that is unnatural for most of us, and that is submit. See, we don't want to submit to anybody. We're rebels at heart. We just want to do our own thing. But when we can have a humble heart and recognize his power, submission becomes natural. See, of course I would submit to you. I don't even have to agree with everything that you've said, God. I choose to submit to you because clearly you have the authority and the power, and I submit my will to your will. 
See, this is what the, Christ has called us to live this kind of a life, like self-sacrificing, right? Take up your cross and die, but we don't want to do that. But as we begin to praise, it helps shape our heart to look more and more like Christ. When we praise God for his character, for his power, for his majesty, it does that to us. And I want to warn some of you out here, just a warning, and it's this, that an unwillingness to praise God is toxic for us because it leads our hearts toward rebellion, self-exaltation, and self-dependence. You might say, I don't like praising. I don't want to do that. I don't care if you want to do that. I'm just warning you that if you don't, you are, you are heading down a path that says, I'll serve you on my terms, God. I'll do things when it's comfortable, when it's, when it's good with me, then I will respond to you. And I'll just tell you, that's a very dangerous place to be in faith. The place Christ is calling us to is to say, you know what? I submit my ways, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it isn't the thing. I, God, I, I submit it all to you. I give it all to you. And praise, praise does that. It leads to humility. It leads to submission. Because if we are unwilling and we're in this attitude of rebellion, self-exaltation, self-dependence, guess who else had that issue? <laughs> Satan himself. <laughs> That's not the path we want to walk down, Right? And so God's inviting, listen, I got a better path for you. I've got something good for you, but it requires us to submit to him, all right? So praise inspires gratitude. Praise leads to humility and submission. Lastly, praise builds faith. Praise builds faith. And this is one, I love this, this part of it, okay? Uh, because you're like, okay, praise, how, how does praise actually build faith? It builds faith in two different ways. Number one, praise builds our faith. It builds our faith, honestly. Some of you need to praise your, with yourself for a moment. <laughs> Go into a room. Why is that? Because there are moments in life, hear this, there are moments in life when you got problems. Anybody ever problems? Right? We all got problems at times, okay? And here's what happens is that we have problems, and whenever we have a problem, we have a tendency to get fixated on our problems, don't we? Like that's all we can see. In our lives, we're just looking at our problems, we're thinking about our problems, we're talking to everybody about our problems, everything is about the problems, fixated on the problems, we're dreaming about the problems, everything we do is about the problems. And when, when we have moments like this, it's hard to see anything else, right? We can't get past that. And some of you are like, well, I'm not that bad, but you know people like that. Why? Because when you walk, you see them, the only thing they want to talk to you about is all the issues they got going on in their life. And it's hard for us because we don't think we operate this way, but we do. We're worried, we're freaking out, we're constantly thinking about the issues. But the cool thing is that praise gives us the ability to, to get that supernatural perspective. It isn't a thing we gotta drum up the feelings for, like I, gotta, I can only praise when I'm feeling like it. No, guess what? I praise a lot of times when I don't feel like it. But in those moments, we're like, overwhelm, overwhelm, okay. All right, I can do something for a moment. Just for a moment, I can say, God, I, God, I praise you for who you are. I worship you, and I praise you that you are my rock and my foundation. And I'm not feeling it right now, God. I don't even like what's going on right now. But God, I choose to look at you for a second. Just for a second, guess what happens? Suddenly, your problem gets put into its proper perspective. Does it mean your problems all go away? Nope. It doesn't. But what it means is suddenly you've got your eyes in the one who actually has power and authority to, to impact your problems. Because when you sit and coddle your problems, that's not going to solve anything. 
doesn't fix anything. But when we say, God, God, I'm trusting you. This is bigger than me. This is more than I, it's like Jehoshaphat saying, this thing is more than I can handle. But God, my hope is in you. My salvation is you. My life is in you. You are my source in all things. This, God begins to do something in our heart. And faith begins to rise. Because for a moment, you are so discouraged because all you can see this. But for a moment, you now know there is a God in heaven who I can trust and who I can look to for help in all things. The faith starts to build in your heart. And this is why I say that this is something that needs to be more than a Sunday morning for 20 minute kind of thing. Why? Because how many of you have problems that don't happen on Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11? Most of our problems don't happen at 9.30 and 11. Okay? They're happening all week long, Monday through Saturday. And if your view of praise, it's a thing that I do with everybody else where I sit and I watch some people sing songs for 20 minutes on a Sunday, you're in trouble. But when you recognize that the, the, the sword, the weapon of praise is available to you at every moment of every day, whenever you face a problem, you have the ability to say, God, I'm going to get my eyes on you for a moment. Begin to declare who you are. Begin to seek the victory that you have available. Like it begins to change us. It's available to us at every moment of every day. And so I challenge people all the time. You've got to become accustomed to the language of praise. Because some of you are like, I don't, I, I wouldn't even know what to say, Greg. I don't know what to do. Okay, that's because you haven't done it very much. But when you learn a language, it's a little fumbly at first, and then suddenly it becomes comfortable to you. Okay? Become accustomed to the language of praise. Now, what does that look like? I think you turn praise from being a thing that happens, you know, on Sunday. It becomes a thing that is normal to your life. And so I challenge people, start your day with a little bit of praise. I'm not saying you got to sit and we're going to sing six songs, you know. We're going to do three songs, like a fast song and then a medium song and then a slow song. Like, and that's what I'm going to do every morning. No, maybe you're just going to like in the shower in the morning, you're going to say, God, I praise you for who you are. God, you're ride to work, you know, whatever you're doing, that first moment, begin to praise. It might be 10 seconds, 15 seconds, but you know what happens? When you begin to praise God, it unlocks a supernatural perspective for your day. Rather than just like you're in the weeds, just doing the normal, tangible stuff all day long, immediately you get your mind to know, I have a God in heaven who is my hope. That's where my source is. It begins to attune yourself to what God is wanting to do in your life. You're no longer just living here in the flesh and blood. You recognize there is something greater than that available to you, okay? And so you say, I'm going to make this a part of my everyday life. So maybe it means you're going to turn on some praise music when you're driving in the car. You're like, I don't like worship music. I don't care if you like worship music. When, by turning it on, what's going to happen? It's going to attune your heart in the right way. Begin to shape the, way, the things that you're thinking about. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know what to say, Greg. If I'm going to praise, like I could sing a song, but I don't actually know how to speak anything. The good news is you have the word of God that you can praise with. It's, it's made, there's an entire book called Psalms that's there to help you. It's prayer and praise songs. So sometimes what you can do is just open up the book of Psalms. Start in chapter one. Okay, I'm going to read. And then when I come up to an attribute of God or some element, I'm just going to begin to declare praise to God for that. Right? And the more you begin to do this and make this a part of your life, praise becomes natural. Why? Because when you get into a hard season, if you have not been accustomed to the language of prayers, praise, you're not going to know what to do. Like the hard thing comes, then what are you going to do? You're going to do what's natural to everybody else, which is freak out, worry, and just talk about it. But if you've become accustomed to the language of praise, it gives you the ability to do something. Are you going to do it perfectly? Nope. There's still going to be times where you end up worrying and freaking out and do those things. But if you can get that weapon out, you realize, I don't have to live that way. I can begin to declare the praises of my God. And faith begins to build in your heart for whatever you're walking through. Okay? That's why faith or praise builds faith 
in our lives. But I think the second part is, is just as powerful as this, is that praise builds faith in, uh, in other people. It builds other people's faith up. Because uh, we, we say this all the time, that faith is supposed to be personal, but it was never meant to be lived out alone. Why do we have this Sunday gathering? Because, I mean, you could love Jesus. Like, you just go home, you love Jesus. You could praise Jesus at home all by yourself. But there is something greater than just you when you gather with the believers. A lot of times we come to church for what we're going to get. Hear this. Oftentimes the greatest thing that happens on a Sunday is not what you get, but what you're able to give to somebody else on a Sunday morning. And praise is one of those times because you can walk in the door and you're discouraged in your faith. But you see somebody else who's walking through hell right now with arms raised worshiping God and praising God. And you say, man, if, if they can worship God in the midst of that, maybe he could be good for me too. Maybe he could, he could lead me too with what I'm walking through. See, corporate praise is powerful for the believers. Like that's why we do this thing. There's something supernatural that takes place when we gather together on Sunday mornings. So you might say, oh, I'm, no, it's the people up here are the ones that matter. No, 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 you're the ones that matter that we join together, all of us, to one audience, God alone, praising and singing his glories, right? That's what happened. And see, it was a supernatural day back on Acts chapter 2. Today's Pentecost Sunday. You know what happened on Pentecost Sunday? That's when the, the Holy Spirit is poured out. But what was the environment in which, was it a bunch of believers by themselves in their homes? No, it was the saints gathered together, worshiping and praising God together, praying and seeking Him, and God poured out His Spirit in a divine and a powerful way. I don't understand it, but God intends to do work in the believers that doesn't always happen in the individual. It's meant to be this supernatural, synergistic experience as God begins to stir up things that are powerful. In fact, Scripture says that He's enthroned on the praises of His people. There's something great. It's beyond our understanding. But we say, God, we want that. We want all that you have. But it begins by saying, God, will I take the step to praise you no matter what I'm walking through? Even when I'm in the midst of a valley, will I choose to say, God, I put you first. I honor you. I worship you. I'm not allowing my circumstances or, my, or the song choice to dictate my praise. No, my praise is dependent on who you are and what you've done. That's it. Right? That's what he's inviting us to. I remember years ago, uh, there was a was a guy in the church I was a part of, and he was an older gentleman. He was only about this tall. Um, he's like 88 years old, just this cute little old guy, and he had this really big um, cowboy hat, and uh, it was like bigger than he was, and, and he loved to praise the Lord. He was a horrible singer, horrible singer, and he never remembered the lyrics to any songs, so you would catch him in the hallways walking down, you know, and he just starts singing, and he like say every other word would be the right one, and it was awful. It sounded horrible. Um, he would get in these groups and like, hey, can we sing the song? And they'd be like, you want to lead it? And he would start, but he didn't know the song, so he just. But he just loved to praise Jesus. And I would see him as a, I was a worship leader. I would see him lead it, you know, praising during worship, and he's just, just passionate. And when he get real fired up, you know, there'd be moments where he just he's like 88 years old. He's just just worship and praising God. And I remember at the end, he, you know, he was physically, he was, he was struggling a lot. His wife, he eventually had to check her in because she was dealing with dementia so badly that he couldn't take care of her anymore. And so they're walking through all this garbage. It didn't matter. Why? Because he was accustomed to the language of praise. And so when, when Sunday came, and all week long, 
you'd see him declaring the praises of his God. And you'll never meet a guy with more joy in his heart, more faith in his heart, than his, like he's going through hell. Didn't matter. He knew where his, his trust was at. He knew where his hope was at. It was in God. He was accustomed to the language of praise. And as someone in my own life, there have been seasons, I know there are points in my life, in my story, there's, you know, I don't have a real great memory. Amber knows that, first and foremost. I don't have a great memory. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember. But I have a few moments in life that are like those altar moments where like God did something and, and spoke in a moment or, or I had an mo- encounter with God. And I remember a moment in a season when I was struggling physically horribly. And at, at that time in my life, there was nothing I could do that would relieve the pain except try and take a warm bath and it would try and relieve things a little bit. And I remember being in that bathtub, just crying my guts out and feeling that, like I had that moment with God where I was like, okay, do I believe this stuff or not? And I remember being in that tub, beginning to just declare the praises of God by myself sitting in my house, saying, God, I trust you. I worship you. I hate what I'm going through right now, but God, I choose to praise you in the midst of this valley. And I remember him meeting with me in that moment that I can remember back to that moment And there's some of you right now that are walking through hell. Some of you are walking through hard stuff. And I want to just tell you, praise unlocks a supernatural perspective in that moment. You might not understand it. You might not feel it. You might not like it. But guess what? God wants to do something in your heart. There is a a weapon available. The tip of your life, the tip of your spear can be praise. And when it is, God can do something that you cannot do on your own. And so I want to challenge you to make this a part of your life. I'm going to invite the worship team out. We can't end a service about praise without taking some time to praise. Some of you were disappointed that the worship set was so short at the beginning. I'm going to invite you to stand with me or across the room as the worship team comes out. We're just going to take the last 10, 15 minutes here to praise God. But I want to do something that's kind of an exercise that maybe you've never done before. And we're going to begin by not praising with a song. We're going to begin praising uh, just with our voice. But uh, what I've done is I've put together a list. If you want to pull that up on the screen, uh, I've got a list, just some attributes of who God is. This isn't an exhaustive list. It's just a list of some, some of the attributes of who God is. And here's what I'm going to challenge you. We're going to take one minute before we even start singing, and we're going to begin to declare the praise of God with our own mouths. We're going to allow our ears to hear our own mouths speak out the praise of God, but we're going to do it all together so that way nobody has to feel uncomfortable, Okay. And so I want us to do that together. We're going to just begin to praise God and say, God, I praise you for who you are, right? We're going to do this on the count of three. Let's just begin to speak out the praise of God. One, two, three. God, we praise and adore you that you are King of Kings. You are God, we worship and praise you in all things, God. God, you are holy. You are holy, Lord Jesus. God, we declare your praises, Father. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are, God. God, you are creator, God, in all things. God, you are the creator, God. God, we trust in you, Lord Jesus. We trust in you, Lord Jesus. God, there is nothing above you. There is nothing beneath you, God. We enthrone you, not just you are enthroned, but God, we choose to enthrone you with our praises, Father. God, we say you are Lord, you are victor, you are source in all things. God, we adore you. We praise you, Jesus. We lift your name up, oh God. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. Holy are you, Jesus. Holy are you, Jesus. Come on, church. God, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, God. Holy are you, Lord. Holy are you, God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Come on, sing it out. 